Amen. Thank you, Brother Dan. If you have your Bibles, let's go back to the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. In fact, that's the title of our lesson, In the Beginning. Our objective this morning is that we would worship and live for God, the very one who created the universe and everything in it. Uh, we will be in chapter 1 and all the way to chapter 2, verse 3. That's our text this morning. Our family theme is that God is the Creator. We've got two key truths. Number one, God designed and created everything. Number two, God gave human beings a special place in creation. Thank God for that. Under our connect this morning, um, they suggest that we ask this question, okay? What is your favorite vehicle? I thought about you, Mike. <laughs> Does anybody know what Mike's is by any chance? Tell him, Mike. Or bear. Don't ask me why. Okay. Somebody else. What? Corvette. See, I, I'm going to tell you that I'd like to have Well, I couldn't get in it. If I did, I couldn't get out of it. Okay. Somebody else. Didn't you, didn't you uh, have one one time you were built? I thought you did. I, I can't remember that. Okay. 48 Ford sedan. What's special about that car? Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Somebody else? Oh, yeah. Boy, if you had one of them today, Brother Dave, it would be worth some money. It wouldn't, no? Okay, so different kind of cars. What if, what if I were to say, or somebody would say today, that each one of these vehicles... Just came to being by accident, by random, uh, without a designer, without a cause. What would you say to that? Impossible. It simply doesn't make sense. And so that's what we're looking at today. And, and by the way, Lavender, why would you say it's impossible? Yeah, absolutely. Somebody designed it. Somebody created it. Of course, you know, in our culture, people are always questioning the existence of God. Uh, Nate, when he went on his uh, trip out west uh, for a couple of weeks uh, this past summer, uh, one of the other men that went along uh, was friends of one of our troop leaders here, but he lives in Colorado. And uh, very, uh, very concerned that as Christian we have uh, an answer to those who would try to refute creation. And he's done a lot of study on different things, uh, and especially in the universe, planets and stars and things, that simply cannot be explained without a creator. Okay? And again, uh, and Nate really has really taken into this, and by the way, this guy has a podcast on Sunday afternoons right now, He's going through some of that, and if you want to link to that, you can see Jason. Uh, but at any rate, his whole point is, you know, these scientists are not stupid. They're very intelligent men. And yet the problem is they just don't want to agree that there is a God. 
Because if you agree there's a God, then you're subject to Him. And that's the problem we have in our world today. And, you know, for you and I as Christians, uh, we believe that the Bible says something, we believe what? Yeah, there is a God, we believe it's true, whatever God, whatever God's Word says. But not so to those of the world. That is not a good enough argument. So it's important that we understand uh, that God, there is a God. And, and by the way, a biblical worldview begins with that idea that there is a God and God created everything that we see. So today we're looking again in Genesis 1, and most conservative scholars believe that Moses wrote uh, Genesis. You won't find his name uh, in the book, uh, but this is because of the fact that he wrote, <coughs> excuse me, the rest of the Pentateuch, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But nonetheless, uh, how important is Genesis, the book of Genesis? Amen. It's the foundation. And if, if you don't get the foundation right, nothing else will be right. So it's very, very, very important. And so at, and today we're going to find out that in the first couple chapters, we see the, not only the beginning of the universe, but also the beginning of life on earth. And by the way, that makes a difference. It's paramount to everything we believe. And once we accept the truth of chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis, we can begin to appreciate, if you will, the beauty of creation, but also worship the Creator will follow that. When we realize what God has done. And how many would agree we serve an awesome God? We really do. Let's pick it up in chapter 1, first uh, 25 verses. We're going to find out that God designed and created everything. Somebody volunteer to read. The good thing is there's no hard name to pronounce today, all right?
All right, thank you, Dan. Let's make some observations over what we just read. Uh, so what do you see here in chapter 1 of Genesis? What's some observations that you, anything that kind of jumps out at you? Okay. Okay, that's good. Somebody else got an observation. Somebody else. Do it again now. Yeah, that's going to eat me up. Over and over again. And God said it, and it was so. Why is that true? He's God. And if he says it, it's done. It is done. So it's interesting. Um, in the first phrase, we're introduced to somebody. Who is it? God. We are introduced to God. In the beginning, God. And by the way, guess who the main character of the Bible is? God, okay. So right here in the first phrase, we're introduced to the main character of the Bible. And like you said, Dan, we hear right away in chapter 1, His power displayed through creation. Who made the decision? God did. So right away, we find out that our God is decisive. He is purposeful. He has purpose. And He is fully in command of everything. Because when He said it, it was what? It was good and it was so. It was good and it was so. The Hebrew word for term for God here is Elohim. And it's the name that stresses his power and his majesty. It's used over 2,000 times in the Old Testament, uh, in, the, in the Bible. And it's important to understand, uh, in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was God. Period, right? Does it try to explain God? No. It is what? says he is. It says that God is. doesn't try to explain God. It uh, doesn't try to prove God's existence. just assumes the truth that it, there is a God. Now, later on, when Paul would write the book of Romans, a letter to the church at Rome, in the first chapter, verses 19 through 21, uh, he would mention the fact uh, that all of creation knows this truth. You can tell by looking around. Paul went on to say they know it, but they try to suppress that truth. Is that is that true or not? Sure it is, absolutely. And we still see it going on in our day. Now it's interesting. <clears throat> uh, verse one, and Dan, you're right, these are foundational verses. If you don't get these right, you'll be wrong everywhere else, okay, for the most part. It, it's just not good if you don't get this right. And so verse 1 is the foundational truths of a biblical world view. And Dan, you said it very good while ago. God created everything, the universe and even everything in it. God is the creator. Now, again, there is a, uh, uh, a term called first cause, uh, the first cause argument. And it's very helpful whenever we're discussing 
the origin of the universe. And that first cause statement uh, says that everything that began, that exists, that begins to exist, must have a cause. Okay? Something caused the things we see. All of those automobiles we mentioned earlier in our connect, someone or something caused those to begin. Okay? Now, by the way, <clears throat> scientists believe in the first cause. But what's their problem? They've got the wrong cause, okay? But the first cause. Now, so everything that exists has to have a cause. So we believe, as Christians, that the first cause is an intelligent designer who is, in fact, the creator of God. We believe he's the first cause. Now, again... There are three premises to that first uh, cause statement. Number one, whatever begins to exist has a cause. Number two, the universe began to exist. So therefore, what? It had to have a cause. It had to have the cause. So we've talked about, and Dan, you mentioned again, uh, as we read that, God created what? Everything. And what's interesting, that particular word uh, created uh, in the Hebrew, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, it's a verb, and the only time it's used throughout the Bible is in relation to God. Only God can create in that way. Think about how important that is. Only God can do that. Now, man can make something. Man can form something, but he cannot create anything. It already exists in some other form or whatever it might be. He might take other things and put it together, come up with an automobile. I don't know why they would have come up with a car of air, but somebody thought that was a good idea one time. I'm sorry, Mike, I didn't mean to say it. Yes, I did. You know, kid. But yeah, everything has to have a cause. Now, also... God is the only one. Well, let me ask you a question here, okay? What did he create light from? Well, really nothing, right? But yeah, darkness, there was no light there. So how did he make light? He spoke it into existence. So only God can make something out of nothing. He didn't take other Ingredients to make light, or whatever it might be, he simply created them out of uh, nothing. And he created everything out of nothing. In verse 2, uh, Moses describes the earth as uh, without form or void, it was empty. And uh, again, uninhabited, lacking boundary or order. Uh, there was no stars at that point, no planets, if you will. But only the basic elements. And yet God's going to create something out of nothing. Now remember, uh, and, and Wayne, you're right, it was complete darkness. There was no light. So in the midst of this darkness, God speaks light. And when he said, let there be light, what happened? There was light. Now here's what's interesting. I would have thought he would have created the sun first. And the moon, right? 
But is God neither sun nor the moon to make light? Evidently not. He created light. Alan, you said something a while ago. Whatever God created, he saw and it looked what to God? It looked good. It looked good. And by the way, that's used six different times here in chapter 1. And again, something desirable, something beautiful, especially uh, when you think about uh, the empty or void form of verse 2. Now it is good. Now it's also interesting. Uh, we see another phrase used about six times, and that's evening and morning in, in chapter 1 of Genesis. And uh, again, uh, I, I think it's first found in verse 5 after he separated the light from the darkness. Now, first of all, how many know there's still a debate among people, even among some theologians, of how long God took to create this earth, okay? Some would say it, those days were thousands of years between them. That's their argument. And, of course, they, you know, they, uh, they don't want to agree with what the Scripture teaches necessarily. Uh, but, you know, their point of view is, well... Day one might have been 7,000 years or 10,000 years. Day two might have been 7,000 years or 10,000 years, uh, and so forth. Now, keep in mind, the problem that I see is when we try to make the Bible fit what I call so-called science. Now, genuine science is good. It's Provable facts that can be repeated over and over again. That is sustainable, provable science. But anytime you read about evolution, what's evolution called? What's a, what's a modifier on that? It's a theory. What's that mean, Alan? Yeah, it's a thought. Uh, the Big Bang theory. Big Bang theory. I'm not talking about a TV show either, okay? I never did watch that TV show, but anyway, that's another time. But the Big Bang Theory, and again, it's a thought. So they're theories. So again, we're being bombarded by this from our culture. That's it, you know, the earth is billions of years old. That does not back up with Scripture. And a lot of science doesn't prove that as well. They can't prove it that way. But even some theologians use theistic evolution trying to make it fit. And we don't need to do that. So again, do you think it was, each day was thousands of years? Or do you think it was a literal 24-hour day when God created things? Okay? Okay, I like your explanation. He says evening and morning. Any other thought on that? Fold up, I want to differ with you, Wayne. How would you refute me? Huh? I love it. I love that argument. But it's also something else. Now, uh, now you know I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm taking somebody else's word for this. The Hebrew word uh, used here, and most often for the word day, is the word yom. Y-O-M. 
Now, Wayne, I'm going to tell you right now what I found out. Yom could mean one literal day or could mean extended, extended days. Huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you believe that it took seven months per day? <laughs> I, <laughs> sure. Sure. Sure there is. And they do. And they do. Uh, they go back to, is it Peter said one day of the Lord is like a thousand years or something like that? So that's what God said, all right? So, uh, if you've been here on Sunday night, we've been preaching about uh, biblical worship. And uh, we used the term a couple weeks ago uh, that those who study hermeneutics would use uh, to study of God's Word to write divide it, uh, the first mention clause. And usually the first mention of any word in the Bible gives you sort of how it's used in the rest of the Bible. Okay? Uh, for example, the first time Egypt is mentioned, uh, it's trouble for Abraham, blah, blah, blah. So... Egypt usually represents something bad in the rest of the scripture. Not always, but usually it does, the first mentioned principle. Well, it's interesting. The word yom can be used either way. But, first of all, Wayne, I like what you said. It did say morning and evening. And it connected it with that particular day, right? But also, it's, it would say first day, second day, a third day, or whatever. And every time morning and evening or a number is associated with Yom, it means a literal day. So, Wayne, you have a good argument there, okay? Now, keep in mind, let the Scripture interpret the Scripture. So, again, reasons why we believe in a literal six-day creation. Now, what did God do on the seventh day? Probably because he was tired. No. God never wearies, but he does it, and we're going to talk about it in a moment, to set a pattern for us to follow as well. So, again, uh, we believe it's certainly a d- one literal 24-hour day. So, again, on day two, uh, God shows his power. He sets boundaries for the waters uh, that cover the earth. Uh, some of the waters were uh, confined to the sea. Some were moved above the expanse of the heavens, if you will. Uh, on the third day, uh, God created the land mass uh, on this earth, if you will, uh, that we could live on. Also, he created vegeta- vegetation uh, that would help uh, sustain life. Now, also interesting, God knows what he's doing, okay? Uh, he didn't create man first because there wasn't nothing to eat. So he took care of that part first. Uh, and then on day four, he created the sun and the moon, the stars. And again, these were to regulate, if you will, and establish time frames, day and night, if you will, uh, seasons, for example, and uh, areas where life would exist. On day five, he fills the air with birds, uh, the seas with fish. Uh, and in verse 24 and 25, uh, he also created... Uh, on day six, uh, the land animals. Again, I think God's pretty awesome, okay? So everything that was created, who created it? God did. He created everything. 
Now, it's also interesting. Any building has a blueprint, any new building. And that building is built according to that plan. Creation has a divine blueprint. A grand design that was established and founded not in the mind of man, but in the mind and the heart of an all-powerful, all-knowing God. Now, there are some things that man have built from a blueprint. And since Jason's in here, and I know he deals with that, do they ever make mistakes, Jason? Big mistakes? Yes. Jason told me at one time uh, down at Children's Hospital, uh, they designed uh, a, a, either a wing or a floor, you can correct me, Jason, on this, uh, to help people who are extremely obese. And so within that floor, they put bigger doorways in and to accommodate the situation, which is well and good, but they forgot to include the doors that come into that wing. They didn't make them big enough. Have you ever heard of the leaning, leaning Tower of Pisa? What's wrong with that thing? You think they built it to lean? No. Now, by the way, if you've been, if you laid awake at night worrying about that, it's not going to fall. They, they've, they didn't straighten them, they stabilized it, so it won't lean anymore. We'll see if that works or not. So, when man makes something, it can be filled with mistakes. What about when God makes it? What did he say it was? It was good. Everything was good. And the reason was, this is found in the heart and mind of an all-powerful, all-knowing God. Now, I mentioned uh, Nate's friend that he met on their camping trip this summer. And uh, even he points out there are so many things in this intricate design of God that still baffles scientists. It baffles doctors, astronomers. They don't understand why. And the reason, I believe, they don't understand God. They haven't given God the first cause, if you will. So let's apply it. And by the way, I do hope you have a Christian worldview. Because the Christian worldview, it begins with God designing and creating the universe and everything in it. That's where it begins. Now, we've all heard the creation story through our whole life. Every one of us has. Is there a danger of becoming numb to it? Is there a danger of becoming numb to it?
Sure. Sure, sure. There's no way, yeah. What's your favorite part of God's creation? I'm not asking Rick. What's your favorite part of God's creation? Somebody. Oh, life itself, yes. Okay. But there's so many things about God's creation. And and by the way, everything that God created, who did he create them for? For himself, but more importantly, too, for us. To bring glory to him. But yes, it is for himself, but for us. Would you agree, and, and you know, listen to me, folks. Would you agree that uh, the complexity and the wonder of the universe points to the existence of God? And by the way, uh, that's one of the problems scientists are having. Um, they are discovering more and more all the time, more galaxies. They're discovering things about stars they never knew before, and it kind of blows up what they thought about it in a previous way. And they're finding things they can't explain. Uh, we talk about DNA and uh, the cells within our body. So many things that are so intricate, and they can't explain it doesn't fit their evolution theory or whatever it might be. And again, they simply don't want to admit, at least most of them don't, of an intelligent designer. Because then they have to admit, there is a God. So what do we learn about God when you look at his creation? What do we learn about God? Uh, he's amazing. All right. Oh, thank you, Wayne. Wait. Yes, his power. You know, I, I thought when I first married Mary Pam, if I just said it, she'd do it. I found out that don't work. I thought I had enough power to do that. But Wayne, when God speaks, it happens. It happens. And not only that. According to our text, everything God does is very, very good. Everything he does is very good. And I think you'll you'll agree, that's the kind of God I want to serve. A God who is powerful, a God who is good, a God who loves me enough to send his son to die for me. So number one, our key point was God designed and created everything. Second of all, God gave you and I, human beings, a special place in creation. Let's pick up in verse 26 and read all the way through to verse 3 of chapter 2. Anybody want to volunteer? Stop playing, Alan. Would you read verse 27 again? 
What's that last sentence say? Oh, thank you. Okay, I'll make sure I got that right. All right. Go ahead, brother. Are you, what are you reading there? What verse? What, what verse that are you, where are you at? I'm, I lost my place. I'm sorry. Keep right on going. You're doing good. <laughs> I, lost, I told you I lost my place. Thank you, and I apologize. I lost my place there. Wow. I have a question about verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. My question is the word us and the word our. Oh, you are. I thought the verse 1 said, in the beginning, God. Say what? What do you mean, Holy Trinity? Okay, absolutely. One God, but a triune God. Now, again, let me remind you, and you've heard me say it over through the year, over and over through the years. You'll never find the the word Trinity as that mentioned in the Bible itself. But you read this, you have to see there's more than you know. There's there's uh, you know at least one other person involved, and we're going to find out you know. Uh, all three were involved in creation because Paul says that uh, in some of his letters. So again, the plural God, one God, but exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says that God created man in his own or their own image. What in the world does that mean? You can't talk all one time now. I told you that before. What do you think that means? That's a cheap way out. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Say what now? Oh, that's true. Yeah, and that's what uh, part of that is, without a doubt. And and it's really hard to come up with a definitive answer to, to cover everything here. Uh, certainly, uh, and, and by the way, God does not use that expression in, in the image of God for anyone else or anything else except for mankind. I know you think your dog is cute. I do not. 
He said, well, Preacher, you haven't seen my dog. It doesn't matter. I'm being mean, I know, okay? Come on, Alan. Give me a break. I'm kidding. But our pets are not created in the image of God. They're just not. Only mankind wears that distinction. I think part of that, we have moral consciousness. We also have a capacity for a relationship with God. Your pet does not. We also bear his image. I think all of that is true. Now think about this. Is is this a fair statement? And and correct me if I'm wrong here, okay? But I, I really believe a lot of unsaved people pray. Is that true? I mean, do you, do you, I mean, I'm just pulling it out there. Is that you think that's a good observation? Or am I wrong about that? Why would he do that? Because we're made in the image of God, and almost people all over the world worship something. Isn't that true? And certainly, we were created to worship God. Now, they're they're certainly doing it in the wrong way, in the wrong uh, to the wrong deity, if you will. But we have that capacity because we are made in the image of God. And Alan, thank you for reading. I apologize again for losing my place. But wouldn't you agree that verse 26 is the climax of creation? That's the day he created man. And we're in his image. He also created the valley of the air, the fish of the sea, Cattle, things that crawl upon the earth. God created man. Then in verse 28, he did bless them, blessed us. He told them to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. I heard a preacher say one time, that's the only command man follows to the, like it should. But they did. But it was a command of God. And man, again, is the climax of that. So remember, we are special creations of God. We are not an accident of nature. And God gave them a command, a a responsibility in verse 26. He said we're to have dominion over the rest of creation. We're to rule the rest of creation. So we were designed, created, if you will, to represent God, without a doubt, on earth, and to rule over all things in his name. That's how God created us. Now, that doesn't give us the freedom to destroy and abuse creation. Not at all. But our first responsibility was to be stewards of what God had created for us. Take care of it. So God created not just the animals, 
He created Adam and Eve first. And God told Adam and Eve, I want you to fill the earth. So God explains in verse 28 through 30 the roles of mankind. And then in chapter 2, I see God sort of step back and looks at everything he did. And what's his comment? It was very good. It was very good. And the idea here is that creation met his expectations. It's all he wanted it to be. But then on day seven, after he finished creating, what's he do? He rests. He rests. Now, by the way, when God gives the commandments, the Ten Commandments, it's introduced officially, if you will, to the Jews to have a day of rest. So God says the idea there when you get to Exodus is is that this would be an essential part of our week as we worship God. Get into his truth and we rest. So God designed everything. And everything he designed and created was very good. And as we look at what God has done, and He's done it for us, for His glory, and we see how awesome and majestic God is, it ought to drive us to worship our great God and our Savior. So my question is, as we look around in our world, and we see different people, even those that we don't, particularly like the way they live, of all the people we see, who of them, which of them are created in the image of God? Everyone. Everyone. All people are valuable to God. And we must never lose sight of that. And I don't know about you, but I need God's help. Remind myself of that. How much time I got left, Jason? Okay. As I look at this, what all God did, and you know the story how God would come down in the cool of the day and walk with Adam and Eve, showing that he desired to have a relationship with us. Why is that important to us? Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Folks, we serve a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful God.
I know uh, Alan Lavinda went on a little vacation this summer. Some of the things you saw, how would you describe it? Did it make you think about God? Yeah. Because we think about this. We look at some of the most beautiful and stunning examples of God's creation. The landscape, everything around us. And even how God made our, our body amazing. I think Pam was talking the other day about something. You know, if you cut yourself, guess what happens to it pretty soon? God designed the body to do what? To heal itself. And it took me a long time to realize this. God will use pain to do what? To warn us there's something going on. Folks, we serve an amazing God. Let's all stand. Next week, we're going to look at the fatal mistake in chapter 3. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, draw us near to you. Help us, God, to glorify you, the great creator of all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless.